This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, Season 7, Episode 30. I'm John DiCarlo, joined by Kyle Gauss. The rest of the crew is currently covering... Temple's Pro Day down at the Star Complex, so it's just Kyle and I. We will we'll have some Pro Day coverage coming up in the next couple of days, but it's just Kyle and I. What's going on? Nada. We've already talked for an hour. Well, a little inside baseball. <laughs> yes, we. Uh, a big part of this week's podcast is going to be our interview with Temple's Caleb Battle. Uh, again, if you're a Temple basketball fan, you know how important he was to the team. He was averaging, you know shade over 21 points a game before he got hurt in early December. So we talked to him. We'll have that interview for you. Uh, we'll talk a little uh, spring football as well. Uh, and again, we'll have some, we'll have some pro day coverage uh, coming up, you know, in the coming days from, you know, from Dante Colinelli and our staff, not a ton of draftable guys there. We we're told today that Randall Jones did not show up to pro day. Not really sure, but you know, Sean Bradley's down there, uh, Obviously, Chappelle. Chappelle's there, so think, yeah. um, kind of miss not being there. Sometimes the fun part of covering pro day is just you know seeing who shows up. But uh, famous number thirties, Bernard Pierce. What's that? Bernard Pierce. Bernard Pierce. I don't know why the first. I'm sure there are more famous ones. Charlie Gardner popped into my head. They were they on the Eagles or the Raiders? I thought he was. Oh no, with the Eagles he was 25. Oh, I'm asking. He, he was pre my my time. Uh, I thought he was 30. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, obviously. Steph Griffey Jr. Terrell Davis. Yeah. So a lot more famous ones than Bernard Pierce. Sheed. Yeah. King Griffey Sr. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Del Curry. We got dads and sons here. Yes. Yes. Special uh, Father's Day edition of up the scoop um so again we'll, we'll play this we'll play this caleb battle interview for you guys and again a lot a lot of great insight that you'll hear here uh from him you know he he'll tell you in this interview that he was just cleared for you know basketball related activities on his way home today uh just kind of continue along with his recovery process and getting cleared for more but uh again for those of you who are fans of the program you know that even after he did get injured and was out uh, with that broken fifth metatarsal bone and the, and the, the injury that he suffered against LaSalle was still involved, still on the bench, live tweeting games. And it just, you know, seems like a close team. And, and he talked about that and uh, really we were kind of able to go pretty much up and down the roster with him and, and, and talk about, you know, what he sees from, from some of the other players. So we'll, uh, we'll play this interview for you and uh, talk more about it on the other side. So we're very excited to have Temple's leading scorer, Caleb Battle, with us uh, on the podcast this week. Caleb, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, man. Thanks for thanks for being with us. I really appreciate it. So all of you who listen to this podcast and Temple fans know that Caleb was having a, a really great season before he got hurt. He was averaging 21.4 points per game, 3.9 rebounds per game, shooting almost 49% from three-point range and nearly 54% from the field. Those are really great marks. Uh, Caleb, you've just been cleared. I think you've been cleared to resume 
normal basketball activities, correct? Oh, uh, yeah. What does that what does that look like? And you know, is it just no restrictions now? You can work out. I mean, I know you you posted something a few weeks ago on Instagram when you were dunking and had a couple of fans saying, Does this mean he's gonna be back for the conference tournament? And it caused the caused some excitement, but are you pretty much, you know, full go now? There's nothing you can't do? Uh yeah. I mean, I didn't get the the full the full go. I get uh so every time I went to the doctor, they gave me more more that I can do. Um, I go back Thursday. I'm on my way back home now. To uh, I go back tomorrow to go see to get the full clearance, so I can start playing. You know, five on five and start doing some competition stuff again. Ooh. But um, I mean, I've been running. I just got the, I just got out of the gym before I, before I got in the car. I had about a good hour and a half of work running, um, shooting on the move, ball handling, finishing at the rim, a few dunks, but almost back to you know where I was before. Caleb, I wonder if you can kind of uh, rewind it back to December 1st. You know, you're playing LaSalle. You step, you step on Josh Nickelberry's foot on a dribble drive, and you end up breaking the fifth metatarsal on your foot. I'm wondering, did you know right away you were injured? And if so, what was kind of going through your head? When did you start to kind of really grasp, like, this could be a big deal? Oh, uh, when it first happened, I didn't really think anything of it. I mean, I heard some crack, but I'm like, ah. Whatever. I, I, I probably, I probably like hurt something or rubbed something the wrong way. I heard a little crunch. It's on the floor. I, I saw a coach looking at me. We made eye contact. So I'm like, you know what? I'm never really one to like try to miss anything because of an injury. So I try to get back up. You know, I try to check back in. Try to run it off. But it was to the point where I remember I tried to come off a a screen, a pin down screen, and. It was like when I tried when I got the ball and I tried to push off, it wasn't it wasn't going. So I just went back to the locker room, went to the back. Um, it was hurting more and more to walk on it. I thought it was swelling up. And then uh, the next day, we got X-rays and they told me in there. But before that, the whole leading up to it, I didn't think anything serious. I thought maybe maybe at most I missed like one or two games. But when they told me, it was like it was like numb numb feeling. Yeah, I guess kind of just that's the physical aspect of it. But from the mental aspect of it, what was that kind of like just going through the realization of, hey, my season's over right when it felt like it was starting to, to pop off? Uh, it was hard. It was hard. You know, the people that know me know how much I sacrificed for this game. Uh, I didn't go home this summer. Um, just working out three times a day, just dreaming of, you know, being a, a college basketball star. Um, and then I had, you know, I had some hardships leading up to it. Uh, one of my closest friends in the world got shot and died this year. So, you know, I kind of dedicated my season uh, to him. And the last text he sent me before he passed away was uh, he wanted me to get player of the year. So in my mind, I wanted to get player, player of the year and, and win the, uh, the AAC championship and, and then go dancing after that. But, so I had that on my mind. I thought I thought we were figuring it out uh, right before I got hurt, and then for that to happen, that's the part that really broke my heart. You know, people go through injuries, people go through worse stuff. You know, people in Ukraine right now, you know, wish they had what I was going through right now. So I, I didn't really complain about that part. Just that part that I just wanted to get it for my friend, um, and I couldn't do that. So that's the only part that really hurt. Yeah, if I'm, I'm really, really sorry to hear that. Our, our condolences for that. I mean, what you're, you're a, I mean, to ask you about that, I mean, you're, you're a human being just as much as you're a basketball player. How, 
how do you cope with that? How do you process that when you lose a friend that's that close to you? Oh, I mean, just staying in the gym was like more of my getaway spot. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking back where he was, we was together our freshman year at uh, at Butler. He was just a, just a warm, warm-hearted kid. He came up to me. He was real cool. He was like, uh, he just introduced himself to me. He was like, he heard about me and all that, but uh, I didn't really know who he was. And he was so he was just a nice person, you know. I'm from I'm from North Jersey. We don't, we're not really like wanting to say hi and everything. There, like, <laughs> kind of walk past. Uh-huh. But he came up to me, and he kind of like instantly just broke down like this shell that I always had on people. And since then, we we're always rocking with each other. I mean, we go. If I was in the gym, sometimes like the way I work out is weird. So I work out. I work out maybe 9 a.m. before class, 8 a.m. before class. Then I work out after practice. And then I might just go back to the gym at like three o'clock in the morning. And it's funny because he'll be right there with me. So mm-hmm. right there. So I mean, no, I go with it by just staying in the gym mm-hmm. and just thinking about the outcomes, you know, all the people that sacrificed so much for me. Yeah. And um, I never think about just doing it for myself. I always think about the people who, who've done stuff for me, who paved the way, because without them, I wouldn't even be in this position. So mm-hmm. I'm very sorry to hear about that. And sorry for your loss. Um, Caleb, in, in the next few games, um, after you know, you got hurt against Penn and Vanderbilt, you know, your team found ways to win without you. And then they had those two bad losses to St. Joe's and UCF where just nothing was, nothing was going right. Then there was the canceled game against Drexel. Then after, then you had the Dell State game after that, a couple of days before Christmas where Zach just, just went off and shot the hell out of the ball. And then from there on out, they did – you know, I know that you guys didn't get to where you want to be this year and get into the NCAA tournament, but you know, they, you know, you got to 17 wins. There was some progress there. Can you take me back as a member of the team? Did you guys kind of have some conversations after that St. Joe's game, the UCF game, because it, it did seem like something kind of like did tangibly change after those two losses. Yeah, it was more about uh, instilling confidence. Uh, I tried to push guys out of their shell. Um, I think when I was playing during the year, even in practice, a lot of times that, you know, I was I was more the guy that they can rely on to, you know, make something happen. But when I went down, just like now they got to, like a lot of freshmen had to step up. They never, never been asked. So they had a tough task this year. I think they did a great job with it. Um, but, I mean, I've been talking about how good they're going to be from the, from, the, from the summer when they first got here. I told everybody what I expected from them and how they're going to help this team tremendously. And I did that. Whether the other people that I told believed it or not, you know, I told them what was going to happen. I think even when I told them, maybe they were shocked that I believed in them so much because I think they kind of shocked themselves some games. But I've never shocked by success because if you work for it, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just grabbing them. Sometimes I'll grab Zach or Jalil or something come come to the gym. I'll be in the scooter. And I'll still try to, you know, grab some managers and rebound for them and give them some drills to do while I'm right there critiquing what they should do, what they shouldn't do, the moves that are going to get in the game, what's going to happen. So really it was just experience that I just try to give to them. And, um, you know, they helped me too. I mean, when I was healthy, they always helped me by just being the en- bringing energy in the building every single day. Mm-hmm. So it, it works hand in hand. Okay, if we have some a couple of mailbag questions here, and these are from uh, from fans and subscribers on our message boards, and they got some good stuff here. This is a lot of the stuff that fans want to know. Uh, the first one that the the screen name here is Keith ninety. 
Um, and I'm sure you get this question a lot. His question is, while it was obviously disappointing not being able to play for most of the year, what do you think you gained from sitting on the bench as an observer this year that will help you help your game next year and uh, help you get uh, integrated back into the lineup? Oh, um, I mean, it's not really a problem for me to get integrated back to the lineup. I mean, I've been playing basketball my whole life. That's not really a problem. The problem that I probably would say was the hardest thing that I had to learn was uh, being a vocal leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my life, I've just been a leader by example. I've never really did all the, like, the vocally, like, oh, let's come together, let's do this, you got to do this. I, I really just led by example by just working hard. Um, so that was new for me. Um, and then holding everybody accountable, you know. I think I, I think I held more people accountable ever since I've been, I've been injured. And my expectations for everybody is high, especially now going into this year because, you know, we see the potential that I've been talking about, that coach been talking about. Um, and now it's like you can have as much you know potential as you want, but if you don't do nothing with it, so it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. I'll say just being a leader every single day and just being the same guy every single day, not changing up on nobody, not having different energy, not 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 because maybe it's not my day going on, you know, even though I had a broke foot, I didn't feel good all the time, but I still had to go into practice. Whether I was going in on crutches or, or a little scooter, whatever the case may be, I still had to go to practice and still got to smile and, and, and cheer everybody up. The, the next question that we have here kind of is along those lines, because I think that if for those of us who, who didn't know from the outside looking in, it did look like the leadership piece did come naturally uh, for you. The, the next question here, uh, the screen name is TU1834, and his question is, I'd like to know what motivates Caleb to interact with fans so much on social media and what it was like to have to watch and tweet along with the rest of us during his injury. Cause I, I, you know, again, you'd rather be out there playing, but you know, we started hearing from fans like, Hey, have you seen KB tweeting like live tweeting during games? It's entertaining. It, it keeps us, you know, he's really engaged um, cheering people up. Like it yeah. looks like something that you really had fun with, but like you definitely seem to be a very active cheerleader and really engaged. Was that just something that, that came naturally for you? Yeah. Because I mean, people got to remember that, you know, every single day, you spend well. You spend every single day, every moment, really, of your day with your teammates. You know, if I don't see you uh, in the gym at night, I'm gonna see you when I get back home to the uh, get back home. When we sleep at night, mm-hmm. or I'm gonna see you at practice in the morning. I'm gonna see you in class. I'm gonna see you in study hall. You know, we spend every single moment with each other. So you, you end up building a bond with these guys. It's gonna last forever, um, and you just want them to succeed. I've never been a selfish person in my life. Um, I just want the best for all the guys. Um, I tweet because it's also important because, you know, this is important is for us to bond and supporting with the fans to bond with us also because, you know, they still support us. And a lot of our wins is based off the crowd also. You know, the crowd brings energy and the fans bring energy and we need all the support we can get because I think we could be one of those top schools um, that that have a, a tradition of winning. I think we have we had an early tradition of winning. And we're trying to get back to that right now. But I think with the fans, with the, with the help of the fans and us working hard, I think we can do that. So that's why I'm always, you know, trying to grab the fans or, or the players to, you know, always be always be in contact or know what we're doing or just staying in contact with everybody. His follow-up question was, he said, if you guys have time to ask him this, the video of Caleb falling to the floor after the ECU buzzer beater was incredible. Could he take us into that moment? So he's talking about, you know, one of the game winners that, that Damian Dunn hit this year. And again, people saw that video 
And fans, obviously, they're excited that you guys win. The Dame really started to take on that role of hitting big shots, but people noticed that too. It was just a fun moment. And again, you're really engaged. What, what's your memory of that of that game? Because I remember a couple of people were thinking, "Oh, he fell to the floor. Oh, he's got a, he's got an injured foot. I hope he's okay." <laughs> yeah, I, I was good. Uh, I mean, I told him before the game started. I said, "Hey, you're gonna have 30 in a game winner tonight." He ain't believe me. I said, "You're gonna have 30 in a game winner tonight." And he kind of smiled at me. He said, "Where did I cool?" And then for it to happen. I was so happy for him that I tried to get up and run. I forgot I had a broke foot. I tried to get up and try to celebrate with the guys. Everybody rushed him. I couldn't do it. So as soon as I put pressure on my foot, it just collapsed. I just fell. I just smiled because, I mean, that's every moment you dream about as a kid. And for him to live that, live, live to that moment was, was a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. The, the last mailback question we have here, the screen name is Joe Becca. And his name, his, his question is, with the young players having stepped up so well in your absence, how do you see everyone's talents working together next season? So I think that's another thing that's on everybody's mind is, I mean, there's, there's a lot of talent, as you know, in that, in that backcourt and you come back to, to Dame Jeremiah Williams. We know what he's done on both ends of the floor. You know, the way that, that Jaleel White has taken off, I see Miller, uh, Zach Hicks. There's a, a lot of offense and a lot of shots to go around there. I'm sure you guys talk about this, but I guess it's a fun problem to have. Like, how do you, and it'll happen over the next several weeks, several months. Is, is that a fun problem to have? Like, how do you guys start to piece that together and say, we got a pretty loaded backcourt right there. And now we got to figure out, you know, how, how it all fits together. I mean, it's, it's a great problem to have because, you know, at any point, there's so many weapons on the floor that you got to guard all five guys. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of people in the country have, have a team where they have to guard all, all five guys and, and to be worried about all five guys that they can really be damaged. So, I mean, just gelling together during the summer. I mean, we're probably going to start playing pickup as a team just to get in there. I'm going to have everybody just get in there and play pickup. The more we play with each other, the more we get accustomed to what we like to do, what our spots are. So probably in about two weeks, we're probably going to do that. But I'm excited for next season. Uh, what's to come? Uh, what's going to happen? I think it's going to be a lot of success for us as a team. And I, I'm not going to be surprised with it, about it when it happens. Um, you know, we had, we had half a team a lot of the times this year. I mean, we were playing without three, four starters sometimes, and we were still winning games. So that just tells you a lot about, you know, what's to come next year when we put everything together. And through all that, the guys stepped up who never played college basketball before, and they still finished fourth in the conference. So – and they had no experience. So now when you when you mix in their experience now from this year going into next year, and you mix the experience with the people that are already out, it's, it's, it's going to, it's going to, some magic is going to happen. Caleb, I wonder if, wonder if you can just kind of follow up on that. I mean, the, your first year here was rough, right? And then coming into this season, say, hey, that, that was an outlier. We're going to be a lot better this year. Is it just as simple as, hey, these guys needed to learn how to play together and people needed to get used to the college level? Or was was there something else that might have just clicked? Or was it really just familiarity on the team? I mean, yeah. I mean, they had to get, they had to get used to the college level. I mean, me, my freshman year, me going – from high school, my senior year in high school, I was averaging close to 25 points a game. I was averaging like 24, something like that, 24 points a game. And then going to playing in the Big East, it was a big di- a big difference because you're playing against grown men now. You're not playing against kids that's 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old no more. You're playing against guys who are like 23, 24. So, I mean, we even played against a guy who was 25. So it's a big difference. And then for them to just come in and be ready to play, you know, it shows their maturity. And they had to learn fast. You know, so 
I give them a lot of credit. Um, but now they have to pick up off, off that. They can't be satisfied with what they did this year because it's just the tip of the iceberg. And, you know, we're trying to, you know, sky's the limit. We're trying to make magic happen. Like I said, we're trying to, trying to do the ultimate. You know, my goal eventually, you know, is I want to win a national championship. And I think that's everybody's goal. So, you know, now we got to go on a run. We got to win games, be mature, win games, go on a tournament run, and hopefully we can do that. That's actually a, a great segue. The next question we kind of had on here as a note is, are, are you the type of guy to kind of establish goals during the offseason? Are you like, hey, look, I have, you know, seven months here until my next game. I want to accomplish A, B, and C. I want to get better at doing X, Y, and Z. And if so, kind of what are, what are your goals individually during this offseason? My goal is just be the best I could be, honestly. I mean, whatever happens with doing that is, 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 is great. But really, I just want team success. And then, you know, with, with team with team success comes with, you know, individual player success. So the more we win as a team, the more, more we get as players and everybody wins. The coach is happy. The, the fans are happy. The people who, you know, the, um, the front office or whoever, whoever organizes our stuff is happy. Everybody's happy. So, I mean, I don't really have no individual goals. I'm just going to try to be the best player I can be. Uh, my goal is just to be the best. I mean, my goal is to be the best guard in the country, the best player on the floor every single day. That's my goal. Um, I mean, oh god, everybody, everybody's goal is different. I hope, I hope everybody comes comes with that same mindset. You know, I, I want to be around dogs every single day. That's gonna, you know, push me to be better. Um, and I'm gonna push them to be better also. But I mean, that's really our goal, just to you know, be on that trophy at the end of the year. Kip, I wanted to ask you some of, about some of the other guys on the roster because I mean. Not only were you the leading scorer before you got hurt, but now again, you've you've had the ability to sit back, watch, and kind of coach these guys up, and you know this roster as well as anybody else. And I wanted to ask you about Jeremiah. You know, you went through more of a high-profile recruiting process before you went to Butler, and then and then transferred to Temple. Jeremiah, I think we can safely say now was really under recruited, and you know. I, we'd heard about, you know, Chris Clark going to see him right before the pandemic hit and he was playing at Simeon high school, really, you know, good program out in Chicago, but he was a steal uh, based on what he's giving you guys. Now, how have you seen him just come along as a player? I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, yeah, his offense is coming along, but just what you see him do on defense as a facilitator, how have you seen him just come along as an overall player since you've been around him? Uh, I mean, I mean, he could, Continues to get better because there's a chip on the shoulder. Um, I think the best guys, you know, whether you're small or whatever you are, you know, guys who are often overlooked are, you know, always have a chip on the shoulder. And if you look in the NBA, the best players always had it. They always got a chip, you know, like guys who were either over that, that weren't as recruited as much as everybody else. You know, you got the rare guys like you got the LeBrons, you got the KDs, but then you got the guys like Steph Curry with Davidson. He has a chip on the shoulder. Uh, uh, Clay Thompson with the Washington State, he had a chip on his shoulder. Uh, Damian Lillard, Weaver State, chip on his shoulder. CJ McCollum, Lehigh. All the, all the greatest guys in the NBA really have a chip on their shoulder, and they weren't given anything. A lot of times when you're giving stuff at an early age, maybe you don't work as hard for it because you think you des- you're deserving of it. But that's not Jay Will. Jay Will's going to work for whatever. And we had this discussion where we always say we're just going to get it out the mud. You know, if you looked at where we were last year, nobody would have thought we would have had a season like this especially with the injuries this year, and it's only going to go up. Everything we do, we're just going to get out the mud. Um, we're not giving anything. We want everything just – we want everything the way the way it's going to come to us. You know, you just got to work for it. That's the only thing we know how to do, and, you know, that's what we're going to do. So, I mean, that just shows how great 
he's going to be as a player in the future and how great he's going to be next season because, you know, all of us, you know, for me, Dave, to Jay Will, we all had a battle, we all battling injuries. You know, Jay Will just got his shoulder, his shoulder done, Dan with his ankle. Um, everybody's always, everybody's still healing, you know, but we're still itching to play basketball. Like we talk about all the time, we were just in the locker room before I left out. And we were talking about, man, we could just figure this, figure this part out, you know, how, how special can we be? Because, I mean, my whole career with them, I probably played about probably maybe 14 games, all three of us together, 14 in two years and we and we and we're doing and we're doing what better so if we could just get a complete season of just all of us together i mean all three of us have that chip and our the other guys in the locker room have that chip also i i don't even think jay will is the only person in the um in our locker room that that, uh, that was overlooked i think jalil was i think zach was i think mm-hmm. Asir, i think everybody in the locker room was really overlooked nick jordan you know and you just see the development and every year they get better so that just Showed you what type of players we have in locker. You know, Caleb, Dame was probably, if you guys had an established player on this team, it was probably Dame after the amount that he played last year. Um, so I guess I'm just kind of curious how, what did you see from him that led to him having so much of a better sophomore year than a freshman year? Was there something you saw that he really worked hard on that he improved upon? Or is it like everybody else where it's, hey, you finally got a chance to play some basketball? I mean, he stays in the, he stays in the gym. Um, but I think it was also really experience. Experience and it's a hunger and desire to just want to get better. Um, Dave and I are, are a lot alike. Because once we fail, it's like we, we're we not afraid to fail. But once you go through those trials and tribulations, you always want to come back even stronger from that. Like one of my trials and tribulations was dribbling my dribbling the ball off the foot in the conference tournament. You know, that that pain and that desire, that hunger had me in the gym. As soon as I got back back home, I haven't left from there. Uh, I haven't left. The, I didn't leave the gym as soon as we got got back from Texas, and then Dame's the same way. As soon as he was up up and not hurt no more, he was right in the gym with me. You know, everybody just wants to get better, and you know this basketball thing doesn't last forever. So you just want to try to milk as much as you can from it while it's still here. And you know, I mean, you see it from Dame. You know, there's times where he looked completely unstoppable out there on the court, and that's just a, that's just the beginning for what he's going to be. It's only been two years for him, so. Wanted to ask you about, about Zach and, and Heiser Miller. I'll start with Zach. I mean, obviously, again, anybody can see that he can really shoot the ball. But what also seemed to come around with his game was rebounding and buying in and rebounding the ball and, and, and defending, too. I, I remember we, we got to see one of the early season practices, and Aaron was really getting on him and saying, essentially, like, I hear you talk in the locker room. I hear you talk around the facility. But when you're out on the floor, I need you to talk to and communicate more. Is that – did that come along with time with Zach too? Because again, in addition to his shooting, it looked like he was really just, again, starting to get it at both ends of the floor. And I'm just curious, you know, what you saw with him this year. I mean, I saw exactly that. I mean, it was one time I remember uh, early in the year when he was, he was struggling a little bit and I had uh, walked home. I walked, I walked him back to the, uh, we live in the same apartment. So I walked him back to our apartment and I just had, a, I just had a heart to heart with him. I told him, I asked him what he wanted from the game. And I asked him if he thought about when you were a senior in high school, did you ever think that you'd be playing right away in college? And then I asked him, how good does he want to be? And every answer was a good answer because after that conversation, he kind of took off. It was like he just needed a little push. And coach knows that too. Coach knows who to talk to and how to talk to them. You know, he's hardest, he's hardest on the guys that have the most potential. So, you know, 
he's definitely hard on Zach because he knows how good Zach could be. How good Zach could be. And, and I think Zach is starting to understand how good he could be. You know, um, and I think part of being really a really good player is doing all the little things. So, I mean, shooting's not going to work every single night. You know, I had my times where I struggled, struggled making shots. So you got to do other things. You got to rebound. You got to defend. You still got to play defense. You got to talk on the floor. And I think once he learns all those things and can, can apply it at all times, when it's all working at one time, it's going to look spectacular. So I think that's what he's just gaining right now with just – he got through his freshman year, so now next year he knows what to do, and now he already has the answers to the test. So. Mm-hmm. What about Hysier? I mean, again, a guy that was probably – fairly ready to play as a true freshman but played even more because of the injuries uh, we heard so much about how tough he is how you know anybody who knows him will say like you know he's 18 going on 30 you know just kind of like an old soul and it again he he fills in and plays some important minutes for you guys what what did you see from him i said it's a pit bull mm-hmm. that's what i see from him. he's a pit bull he's like a dog he bites you he's not gonna let go you know, he, he don't believe in just winning. He wants to step on your step on your neck and just just growl and all that. He's a, he's a dog, man. I, I love Isaiah because he's not going to back down for nobody. He's not going to look up to anybody. He's just going to do what he does, and, and it works. Um, he's always in the gym. Uh, as soon as we actually this year, as soon as we flew back from Texas, I was walking in the gym at night and I saw him already in there, uh, uh, sweating, sweating, and, and dripping, dripping sweat all over the place. So, you know, that that showed me what type of person he is. He's just a grinder. Another person that hasn't been given anything, just, just everything earned, just, just works for everything. And, you know, in the beginning of the year, he wasn't even playing for real. So for him to just be thrown out there and to do so well, you know, it shows how tough of a kid he is and shows, like, okay, like, now nah, he did that this year. Now we know what to expect next year. Now when you win the fire, you've already been in this. So there should be nothing no more. So, so that's what I said last year. Caleb, okay, with situations like that, like obviously, like a guy like I see, you see him on his visit, you see him, you you see his tape, but then you don't really get to actually experience him until he's on campus. How quickly does it take for you to realize, like, all right, this guy's like you said, like he's a pit bull, like this guy has that type of attitude? Are you able to kind of sense those things out quickly, or is it more just they have to prove it to you over time? I mean, yeah, I do because, like, especially when it's like new people in there, I try to like go out and try to punk them. If you back down, and it's gonna take some time for me to like really like, okay, then I, I trust them with this. Usually I try to quiet everybody and try to see if they're not back down for me. Um, you know, if you don't back down and you, and you handle your own and, and you do well, then I got all the respect for you in the world. And that's what he did. You know, he didn't back down for me. Um, he's a competitor, just like I am. So that's how you earned my respect uh, since he walked in the doors. Now, a guy that you've known for a little longer, Nick Jordan, um, I, I remember the quote earlier in the season where he said, if you guys could just see how far he's come since he was sitting at the end of the bench on AAU, uh, you'd be so impressed. What I'm kind of curious about with him beyond his basketball development was, was he always that type of guy that, you know, is ripping a jersey on the on the court? Or were you always seeing that kind of energy from him even years ago, or is that a recent development? Uh, it's, it's, it's a little fire in there. I, I'm trying to bring it out a little bit more, but I'm trying to control it at the same time. You know, you want that that competitive, that fire that he that he brings. That he wants to do well. Sometimes, you know, he could have maybe could have handled that situation a little bit better with ripping the jersey. But uh, I mean, I like you know he, he's going to play hard. He's going to block shots, um, and he's still learning. You know, it's like it's not easy for him because you, you could put him in so many different positions that sometimes he even has to play the five. 
And a lot of times, a lot of the fives that we play against are bigger than he is, but he doesn't back down from it. So, you know, I mean, Nick is everything I thought he was going to be. He's just going to get that much better. I mean, he can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot it. He can get tickets to the rim, and he's just getting better. Um, when he gets out of that shell, it's like a little shell that right now that he's in. When he gets out of that shell, Scott's a limit from Nick, you know. I don't, I don't know if he thinks – I don't know if he knows how good he's going to – how good he can be or how good he's going to be. I tell him all the time, I don't think you know how good you can be. I mean, I think Nick is a program changer. Um, you can't really teach that size, the athleticism at that size. So once he just once he just breaks that shell down, I mean, he's gonna be everything he wants to be in life. Caleb, you mentioned you mentioned Jolly White earlier, another guy that was really kind of under recruited. And again, I remember when he committed, you know, his his high school teammate at Wildwood Catholic, Taj Tweet, you know, initially was recruited to go to West Virginia and he's transferred since then. There were a lot of people saying, hey. You know, with all due respect, Temple might have gotten the 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 better player there, and and Ja obviously had a pretty good, you know, first season after coming off the meniscus injury. Again, another guy who's versatile and can do a lot of things. We we had him on the podcast right before the the Houston game, and he you know he seems like he's kind of like even keel doesn't get too high too low. Is that is he another guy who's really kind of just scratching the surface of what he can do and just trying to gain confidence as he goes on? Yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't really know how good he could be also. A lot of these guys don't. Um, it's probably because they've always been overlooked, you know. But, they, I mean, that's where the chip comes in also from the go hard. So, you know, he's going to get a lot better next year. Um, it's, it's a lot of things he has to do to get better, but, you know, just like all of us do. So, I mean, he's going to get in. He's going to work. He's going to become better. Um, but uh, that's another guy that you could throw anywhere. You know, he's a big guy, big guard, 6'8", big hands, can can guard anybody, one through five. So it's like we got so many guys that have, that have so many things to their game that it's kind of hard, you know, not to. Right now we're trying to figure out, okay, when when can we put this guy here? When can we put this guy there? It's like so many weapons we can use right now. So I think that's the exciting part. But, you know, it's just got to equal the wins. So I think Jello's going to be a major part of what we do. And I'm excited to see what he has to do next year. What about a, a no, guy okay. like – oh, go ahead, Kyle. No, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You're good. What about Emmanuel Akpomo? I know he had he was injured, and and he's still coming along. And I think the staff knew that he was going to be guy that was going to take some time to come along when he was coming as a transfer from Wake, but played a, a little bit more, like in that in that USF game, and started to flash a little bit more. Again, you see him more than anybody else does. Uh, what what's possible? What's possible for him? I mean, Aaron talks about we want to be able to play inside out, and I know that they'll probably look to the portal to try to add a couple of guys there to add some front court help. But when you, when you look at, at him, what do you, what do you see in terms of the potential? Uh, he has a lot of potential. He has really long arms. He's a good body. Um, and he's still young. So, I mean, I mean, it's got some limit for him also. I mean, he has to just, he has to just, you know, say the course. I mean, everybody goes to that time where they're not really like playing. I went through it. Uh, Dane went through it. Everybody goes through it. Does everybody goes through a time where you know they got to fight the win on the court? And right now he's just fighting. And he's gonna continue to fight, and he's gonna be a major part of our success. Uh, Kayla, just uh, from a non-temple perspective, I know earlier on you talked about, hey, I'm from North Jersey. Like I have this shell. I'm wondering with North Jersey, uh, what are your thoughts on St. Peter's this year? I mean, a lot of guys that you probably grew up against or played against. Uh, I know Doug. With Burton Catholic, so what yeah, are your kind Doug, of thoughts? I know Doug, uh, Daryl Banks. We played AU. Me and him, Nick played AU together. Um, he had twenty-seven the first game. I mean, I'm happy for all those guys. You know, those 
I remember uh, Coach Shaheen Holloway. He 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 uh, recruited me in high school. He was at uh, he was an assistant at Senior uh, Hall. So I mean, I know all those guys. I'm happy for them. Um, they're well deserved. You know, it's always great to see somebody from from uh, people from where you're from doing really well. Um, I mean, I hope they be Purdue too. I hope, man, I hope they win the whole thing. Go to the Final Four. You don't really see that around here because a lot of a lot of New Jersey, a lot of people from New Jersey don't really go to Jersey schools. You know, we kind of go elsewhere. Um, but I mean, North Jersey people stick together, and we all went to the same schools. I mean, it's it's magic. Magic can happen. That's what's happening with them right now. It's tough guys, not going to back down from anybody. Um, we're so used to playing with each other that it's like I'm. I'm you that when they went to uh, they was you know each other i have a player from my high school at Charles reed he plays there now um it's just everybody knows each other so it's like it's like it's like hooping at home it's like hooping at hooping in high school again with all your guys but you just stayed together for so long that eventually you're gonna start winning does that kind of feel you feel you a little bit when you're like hey i played with this guy when i was 14 and now he has a chance to advance to the you know the elite eight does that kind of just add more motivation i take everything personal so yeah it definitely does so i mean Seeing those guys, I'm happy for them, but I'm ready to ready for it to happen for myself also. So I'm just gonna keep my head down, just keep working. Um, definitely gonna cheer them on, of course. But like I said, I mean, we want our own success also. So you know, I'm waiting for Temple to get there. We're gonna get, we're gonna get there eventually too. Caleb, you you mentioned you were talking about Aaron earlier, Aaron McKee, your head coach, and you had alluded to the fact like he kind of knows what guys to talk to and at the right times. And, you know, when Aaron became a head coach, you know, he, he was pretty honest in saying, you know, I, you know, it's not like once he retired, he knew he wanted to get into coaching right away. And sometimes he'll say, you know, I'm an old school guy and I want these guys to be old school. And sometimes I have to learn to be patient. And it's, it, there's a lot that goes into it. How have, you know, obviously again, like I said, things seem to be headed in the right direction. And he said, I think after that USF game, he said, you know, yeah, we were picked, whatever it was, eighth in the preseason polls, but we fell a little bit short of our goals. But he sounds hungry. He sounds really excited. But he's always pretty honest in, in saying that he's kind of evolving as a head coach. What have you seen from him from the time that you got to Temple as a transfer to now? What's what's he like uh, as a court, as, as a coach, as a guy who's like with you guys on the court, off the court? How has he evolved as a head coach since you've been here? Uh, he's still competitive, super competitive. Um, we're at times me and him may bump heads when we're so competitive sometimes. Like, let's say we, let's say it was, it's supposed to be five more possessions in, in practice. He'll do something where somebody would go up by one and he would just call it, call practice and then go into another drill. And I'll be pissed off because like, I'm mad because I wanted to win. Mm-hmm. We'll bump heads right there. But I mean, he's a really good guy. Um, I'm close to him off the court and on the court. You know, we built a relationship where we understand each other. Um, he rides me like crazy. I mean, I probably get, the, I, I probably definitely get it the worst out of everybody in terms of you know me me doing something little will turn into a big deal. But that's probably just because he expects so much from me. So I mean, it's cool. We we understand each other. We talk, um, and now we're just on the same, I mean, same format where we just want to win. So I mean, we understand what has to be done, and now we just got to do it. With with Aaron, what you just talked about there, is it kind of a situation where, you know, kind of like John Chaney used to be with guys, he'll stay on you more because he knows what, you, what you're capable of. And guys in the past have talked about sometimes if my head coach isn't talking to me as much, maybe 
maybe he's kind of moving on to the next guy in the rotation. It, but it seems like, you know, what you're talking about, he stays on you more. Is it because he's trying to push, push you to get the most out of you? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. He definitely tries to push me to get the most out of me. It's, and it's like, you can't go, I can't go to like one of the assistants because they're on the same page as he is. So it's like, everybody's on me at all times. It's never a time where somebody's not on me or tries to, or tries to hold me accountable. So, you know, as somebody, maybe somebody else messes up, they might get a, a little, uh, a little punishment. If I, if I mess up, it's just like, I ain't going to stop. I'm not going Just a final question to, to uh, wrap things up here. And again, I really appreciate your time. I, I know a lot of guys, and I think we might've talked about this before last time we had you on. What, what do you do off the court? What is Caleb battle like off the court when he's not playing basketball or practicing? Is there stuff that people wouldn't know about you with anything that you don't get the chance to talk about all the time that, that you wish you could talk about more? Um, I mean, I do a little bit of everything. I love to, I like scenery. Um, I kind of try everything. I mean, I play video games sometimes. I play video games. I love movies and TV shows. Um, I love trying new foods. That's probably where you're going to find me number one out of anything else. Definitely somewhere trying some new food. Um, I've been in the studio with some of the guys sometimes making music. That was fun. I do a little bit of everything. I ain't got a lot to know about it. I, I don't know. I like, but I like, I like a little bit. I'm like a little nerdy off the court a little bit. I like Harry Potter. I have a wand. I, I like stuff like that, you know. That's <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little different from everybody else. You know, I don't, you know, I don't really care to be myself. All the guys know that I'm kind of a, I have a unique personality where I could just get along with anybody. You know, I kind of look look to see if I can find something that somebody can relate to me a little bit. And then, and I'm always open to try, uh, find new things, try new things. I mean, go to a museum. I love that. Aquariums, learn about fish. I, don't, I like I like all that stuff. I mean, it's nothing that I really won't do. But, I mean, it has to be surrounded around the time where I'm in the gym also. So, mm-hmm. really, I'm just really in the gym, so. You have a you have a favorite new restaurant that you've tried? Favorite new restaurant, uh, and Philly probably, probably. I mean, Coach McKee put me on. I would have never ate like this if I was by myself. But Del Frisco's probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Coach McKee for that one. But I mean, I I, I like to go to uh, I like Square sixteen eighty two, sixteen forty two, something like that. Yeah, that's really good. I took the guys there. I put them on. You should ask. Some about that. I definitely put them on the, uh, the duck wings. They would have never tried duck if it wasn't for me. Uh, <laughs> I like, I mean, I just took my dad to this place called Dig, Dig In or whatever it's called downtown. Mm-hmm. He like, he's a, he's a healthy eater. So, you know, we had that. That's good. I like Jamaican food, Jamaican D's. Mm-hmm. It's really good in West Philly. I, it's a lot of, I keep going. Uh, Mexi Italy, South Street, uh, Lorenzo's Pizza, mm-hmm. Bibble, South Street also. Really good place. Green Eggs Cafe, breakfast. I can keep going. I got a lot of places. I don't know. It's just, good, man. You're, you're pretty much yeah. getting all over the city. I'm impressed. It's good stuff. Yeah, I, nah, yeah, I definitely get around. Especially during the summer. I just never, never a time. They need, to, they need to give me some NIL deals, man. I, You know, I'll be happy to support. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> talk, to, yeah. uh, talk to Arthur Johnson about that. I'm sure you could. Yeah. Something you guys can work I, out. Kale, yeah, I got this. This is uh, it's been a lot of fun. Best of luck to you. I'm glad that glad you're recovering from the injury, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. All right, thank you. A big thank you to Caleb Battle for joining us on the scoop this week. What Kyle? What stood out to you from the interview? I mean, he's just, he's just a, a a fun guy to talk to. We were able to go up and down the roster with him. 
did not expect to hear that that he has a wand from Harry Potter. Who am I to judge? I have not seen any of the Harry Potter movies. That's a, a blind spot. You're too old. Life. You're too, yeah, you're, it's not a blind spot. You're just too old. You weren't the target demo. I mean, the people that like went and saw the movies were people that read the books when they were like 11, 12 years old and yeah. so on. Like when Harry Potter came out, you were 22 years old. Like if you were out reading Harry Potter at 22, <laughs> then instead of, you know, whatever, whatever 22 year olds do in the city, then that would be <laughs> concerning. I think that stood out. I think, um, I think I like we talked about a little bit. I, I like the fact that they say like to learn about fish and stuff. Uh, he, <laughs> he rattled off uh, about 40 restaurants in Philadelphia, all throughout Philly. I feel like a lot of people just focus on, you know, hey, I'm going to be on campus. I'm going to be in Center City. No, uh, bullseye around the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to be honest, from like a, I, I kind of followed up on this because I, I was curious with, I think you could tell when he was talking about St. Peter's to an extent that like, yeah, I like those guys and I have a relationship with those guys, but like, I want to be in that situation. Yeah. So that's why I kind of followed up. I'm like, did you take this personally? Because he said like, yeah, like mm-hmm. that's a hundred percent of motivation to me is like, I, I'm happy for their success, but it's time for my success. Mm-hmm. And like, I can understand it's being frustrating to him uh, because like, look, he's entering his fourth year of college basketball now. And he's only been healthy for one of them when he didn't really play. So I think it's just, you're starting to see that it's starting to boil over a little bit. And I think he's starting to expect that it's finally going to bear fruit. Yeah. And again, I mean, he talked also about how Aaron likes to get on him. They're both competitive. And, and he said, you know, if I, if uh, there was that anecdote there, he said, if one guy does something, it's whatever, if I do something, I'll never hear the end of it. But that kind of gives you the indication that, that Aaron does stay on top of like, like a lot of coaches do, they really stay on guys that they wanted to get the best, the best out of, but and we, we were talking about this just before we resumed the pod. It was funny, you know, earlier in the conversation, he said, you know, I'm, I'm from North, North Jersey. And he was talking, unfortunately, about his friend uh, who, whose life was taken. And that's a, it's obviously a shame. He was talking about how, you know, he kind of softened him up because he said, you know, guys from North Jersey, we don't always go out of our way to say hi to you. And then by the end of the interview, he was like, oh, I'm open to anything. I'll go anywhere. I go to these restaurants. I'm watching Harry Potter. I'll engage with you here and there. So uh, he's, he's always a, he's a really, really enjoyable guy to talk to. And obviously he's going to be a huge part uh, you know, of what Temple can do next year and talking about how, all they, how they can fit all the pieces together. So um, just thought there was a lot, a lot of good stuff there. So we really enjoy uh, really appreciate him, you know, coming on the podcast this week and, and giving his time to us. Uh, Want to talk a little spring ball? Uh, we've got some football mailbag questions to get to, and um, you know, again, I, we we've talked to you in previous episodes about how spring ball coverage is going. It's you know, talking to Stan Drayton, you know, before practice, and for the most part, it's been our our guys down there, our reporters down there, talking to talking to Stan and. Um, he even said this the other day. And if you check out Javon's story from, from Tuesday, um, I think it might've been, it might've been Dante who followed up about Zach Gill, North Carolina transfer. And, uh, you know, there's this, this clip here where, you know, he stands that he's got a lot of work to do. The one thing you're going to notice about me is that those kinds of questions are going to get answered the same way every time, because there's a standard for Zach Gill, as well as everyone on this football team that they're nowhere near right now. And, you know, for us as reporters, it's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it, it seems abundantly clear that, that Stan Drayton is not coming in. And, you know, as Devon likes to say, throwing flowers at everybody and saying, this guy's going to be all conference. I like this. I like this. It's kind of sprinkling in stuff here and there. And he seems to be very judicious about saying, okay, seen a little bit here, but I'm kind of measuring it. And, uh, 
he just seems to be taking a very systematic approach to, to spring ball. Is that how it seems to you just in terms of not getting too high or too low about anything? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it is probably, we've talked about this because kind of we've covered so many different coaches at this point is I feel like whenever you talk to a coach who's in like their first six months of being a head coach versus when you talk to them in year four is drastically different. I think a lot of it's probably him. still just feeling out the role and feeling out the roster. I mean, he's seeing guys that, Hey, yeah, Zach Gill might've looked good in one or two practices, but that's also 30% of the times I've seen him play live football. Mm-hmm. Like there's such a small sample size that I think the last thing you want to do is kind of put your foot in the mouth of somebody and say, well, wait till you see this guy. He reminds me of Terrell Owens. And then it turns out to be that he was just a spring football phenom. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as the, you know, the standard, the standard is the standard. So I think uh, you're starting to see uh, a little bit of uh, Stan Drayton's take on, you know, Pittsburgh Steeler philosophy where it's, look, everyone has a standard and the standard is the standard and we're just going to keep throwing out buzzwords and we're going to figure out what happens. Yeah. I don't know, but for the most, for the most part, I think it's, it's been pretty much exactly what uh, Temple fans would hope for. It's been probably a closer return to the norm than the last, honestly, even prior to Rod Carey. I mean, even like Jeff Collins wasn't exactly running spring practices like this. Jeff Collins was quick to point out that, oh, this guy looks like blah, blah, blah. And he famously, when he went down to Georgia Tech, said that Jameer Gibbs was uh, Reggie Bush. Yeah. prior to him having ever played a college football snap. So I, I think this is probably in general, we're three months into the Sandra and era. I think the feels and the vibes are probably closer to, you know, 2013, 2014, 2015 than it is to 2019, 2020, et cetera. Yeah. I think though, if you're a fan, the, the thing that you're maybe most encouraged about right now is just the, the vibe, even if people can't be down there, if you're a fan, you probably like what you're hearing, right? You know, even last week, Stan Drayton said, I think Sam asked him, have you had a chance to, to talk to Hassan Reddick since he signed with the Eagles? And he said, I haven't, but my chief of staff, Everett Withers, has. And then literally later that day, Hassan's down there and he's posting video. And we we go on to see that, you know, Matt Hennessy's been down there. I, I think he even mentioned that Deion Dawkins have been there. Uh, Chris yep, Coyer, Taylor. There. Yeah. And, it, uh, and they – Finch. Yeah. And they, they, you know, they seem to get it. And, you know, I've talked to Adam DeMichael about this on the other pod that I do with him that believe in temple football podcast. And Adam said, look, we, as a staff, you know, including himself on the previous staff, minus this past season, we'd said, you know, we got to get around to getting more guys around COVID did impact that. But after a while, we know there was just too much of a vibe, like doesn't feel as welcoming down there. And this staff has very, very much made the effort to, you know, make it an open door policy. And again, before you know it, Reddick's down there addressing the team and, uh, you know, they've got that going for him. But, you know, again, if you're reading the tea leaves, I think Sand Drayton, again, it's not always the most exciting content for us as reporters, but I, I, I'm getting the vibe of a guy that's just very, again, judiciously looking at the roster saying, okay, it's probably a rebuild. We got to see what's going on in each position here. There's no single position where, where you say right now, you know, as of late March, like, they're good there, you know, including honestly, honestly, the position group that I would have thought they were most comfortable with is the one that he keeps bringing up that, Hey, they got a lot of work to do the linebackers. Yeah. Like there's been, there's so many returns of linebackers. You would have thought like, well, they could probably piece this together. And it seems like every time Stan Drayton says like, no, they have a lot to go. There's they're nowhere close to establishing who's the starters and stuff like that. So it is what it is. Every time you mention your other podcast, I envision a scenario where we sponsor your other podcasts. 
So it's like the b- believe in Temple football. Brought to you presented by Alscoop.com. Presented by the scoop. Presented by Alscoop.com. <laughs> and we just circle down and we start laundering money that way. Presented by Del Frisco's. <laughs> mentioned by Caleb Battle in this week's episode. Season uh, four of, of Ozark or season five of Ozark will just be us uh, laundering money via <laughs> podcasts. <laughs> Things have taken a weird turn for those guys. What people will be saying, um, you know, again, we we'll, we do have a, a couple of um, football mailbag questions uh, to get to here in a second. Um, one of them here, um, again, there's there's a there's a couple of basketballs that we got to already with 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 Caleb Battle. Um, any intel? This is from Green Street Al from the message board. Any interesting intel from from Temple's pro day? So again, as we mentioned at the outset of the scoop, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon slash evening. Our guys are still down there. Um, you know, again, I think I don't think we're breaking any news when we say this. I don't think there's a surefire draftable guy on the roster right now. Like Amir Tyler's down there. Uh, you know, if you're Amir Tyler, you're elated if you get drafted. Maybe a late round guy, or you end up in somebody's camp. Dante had texted us, Dante Colin Elliott texted us and said, it looked like Will Quenku tested well today. Randall Jones did not show up at pro day. We're, we're, we're not sure why Anthony Russo was there today with his former, former teammates. Throwing. That's the interesting part. Anthony yeah. Russo just came back. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I guess it's look, the staff is gone and I don't feel the animosity or whatever it might be. If there weren't any, were any burnt bridges that's gone, but it's interesting. that Anthony Russo participating in two different pro days. Right. That'll do it for, the mailbag this week. Again, we, we appreciate Kayla Faddle being with us. We'll have more spring football coverage in the days to come. Start talking to the assistant coaches next week. Uh, Danny Langsdorf, DJ Elliott, Adam Shire, the special teams uh, coordinator. Spring game's coming up pretty soon. We'll get some players to talk to as well. Again, if you have not subscribed to alscoop.com, you're missing out on some good stuff. And in addition to our spring football coverage, some recruiting coverage, bit of a bit of an interesting week with recruiting coverage. Caden Steele had talked to Nikhil Batran from from Northeast High School, talked to him on Monday, and he told Caden that his recruitment was still open. Less than a day later, verbally commits to Colorado. Some fans don't understand that Caden was just following the process there, and obviously would not have written the story had he already committed to Colorado. So, um, and then he talked to. Uh, Gensley Augusta from West Orange High School. That story's up on the site right now. He is also committed to Colorado. No. <laughs> I told I, I was joking around with Caden saying, what if this becomes the Caden curse? Like every every recruit you talk to, they commit somewhere else the next day after telling you that they're still months away from, from committing. How long would it take if you're Caden Steele to realize like, I'm a god, I have the power to do this? Like, I feel like one time's a one-off, two times is a coincidence. Once it happens like six or seven times, you're like, I'm in Groundhog, Groundhog's Day. I affect real things in life. I'm going to learn to play the piano. I'm going to sleep with Elaine. It's not Elaine. Who's the girl in Groundhog's Day? It's, um... Oh, oh I was going to say, are you confusing it with, with Seinfeld? Well, it's, no, Andy I mean, McDowell. It's, it's Andy McDowell. It's a similar dynamic. Yeah, it's Andy McDowell in, <laughs> in Groundhog Day, but I forget her. I forget. And she looks like Julia Louis-Dreyfus, the long uh, That's what I'm saying. Like, it, was, it wasn't a ridiculous mistake on I him. They forget what her name, I forget what her character's name was in, in Groundhog Day, but, you know, it's a solid reference there. Uh, now, you're looking, now you're looking it up. I forget what her actual name was. It was in the movie, but. Well, her actual name. Chances are. Nancy. Nancy? No, not Nancy. Who the hell is it? Chances are. Uh, Rita. Yes. Rita Hansen. Yes. Chances are that Caden has not seen Groundhog Day, but we'll ask him next week. 
So again, we'll have some pro day coverage for you. Again, stay tuned for more uh, recruiting coverage. And again, some more spring ball coverage. We'll try to get you more guests in the coming weeks. And uh, we will talk to you soon. 